My daddy may now make an announcement. But we're in a transition where women are staying hot until old age. Trust me, brothers and sisters, when I say Corey's got some story. Trust me, brothers and sisters, when I say there's going to be blood. There's going to be blood. You are listening to The Bitterest Pill. Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It is uh, Dan Class. I'm in my garage. Under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport, I can even hear a 747 going over right now. It's I'm in Los Angeles and it's raining. And when it rains, the planes take off and land in another direction and it's much louder. But the upside is it's raining, which is good because when it's raining, uh, California isn't on fire. So how have you been? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So listen, I'm back in the garage um, doing a podcast. I still know how to do this. I still have all the equipment. Everything's functioning. I know. It's for ages uh, between shows. Can you hear those airplanes? This is ridiculous now. Can you hear them taking off over my house? You know, I right? I usually say under the flight path, and it's really a bit of an exaggeration, but when it rains, it's real, man. But I'm here in Studio G. I'm very happy. I'm here in Studio G. Uh, I'm spending more time at the house right now because my son Hudson is home from college, which means there's an actual reason to come here, you know, to hang out with H, right? So, um, so I'm here more often, but also I cleaned up the studio. Now, I know I haven't been using the studio, or at least as far as you know, but I cleaned up the studio. And on one of my Facebook accounts or pages or whatever, I even posted a 180 picture, almost 360 maybe, of Studio G. And people that saw it were kind of amazed at how big it looks and how nice it looks in here. Which I thought everybody had seen Studio G because no, listen, I do. I describe it as a as a. I always, <laughs> you know, for fourteen or so years. Well, no, not fourteen, but since it was built, every time I go to describe the studio as a drywall box, I first almost say cinder block box, and then have to stop myself. It is not a cinder block box. It is a drywall box. A cinder block box is like the dormitories that we all lived in freshman year. This is a drywall box in my garage that I guess you guys didn't realize I painted. And, you know, I have the sound-sucking panels. They're not ugly. No one said they were ugly. But usually what it, the place is a mess. So hopefully I won't let it get to that again. But what I should do is you know, everybody sees it and thinks it's so nice. And they thought it was a cluttered mess, you know, like my mind. Uh, next time it is a cluttered mess and really does more accurately reflect my mind, I'll take that picture so you can compare and contrast the, you know, the facade versus the reality. Now, why, why did I clean up Studio G? Well, because I've been cheating on you, my friend. I've been only a couple times. But I have been doing another podcast, and it is a little tiny bit the reason why it's been so long since I've recorded. It's not the only reason, but it is, I guess, a tiny reason 
Now, I don't know if you're sitting. I can't see you that well. But it is a sports podcast. Now, I think I told you about this before. You know me. We've known each other for years. You know I don't know anything about sports. And when I say I don't know anything about sports, I'm being literal. That is not hyperbole. It is not an exaggeration in an effort to uh, raise the statement to some sort of comedic whatever. No, I don't know Jack Rabbit about sports. I, well, I guess I should clarify. I know most of the rules of baseball and vaguely understand football. And know a lot of the rules of soccer. You know, I lived in England for a little while, so you have to play soccer in England. Football. Football. So I know that. I used to know how to play cricket. But as far as following sport, like sports in, like capital S, sports in America, sports, Americans, no, nothing. But the name of this podcast is Something's Bruin. <laughs> B-R. U I N. I know. If you if you watch sport, right? If you're a sports follower, you already got that. You were like immediately with me, and everyone else was like, "Huh? Sounds like a, a beer podcast. Like, what are you doing? I don't know, Dan. You're so lost. Trust me, I know as much about beer as I do about sports. So, basically, my next door neighbor, Corey Paws, was the quarterback for UCLA for four years. Uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. And we do this podcast where he talks about sports and I don't. I uh, just try to make him sound good and I crack wise every once in a while. And I got to say, as much as I always uh, bristle at the idea of being a second banana, I love it. I I love not having to carry that show. Now, obviously, I couldn't carry it because I can't, I can't talk for five minutes about UCLA football. But you, you understand what I mean. If you are a fan of UCLA football or really college football, or if you just want to hear occasional behind the scenes, because Corey's got some story. Trust me. Trust me, brothers and sisters, when I say Corey's got some story. But it's part of the Believe Network of uh, sports podcast, B-L-E-A-V. Is that right? B-L-E-A, Billy? Yes, B-L-E-A-V. Something's, no G, Bruin.com. Yeah, check it out. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's one of the things I've been up to. Another thing I've been up to, can you, seriously, can you hear that plane? You've got to be able to hear that one, Right? I know, I know, it's, it's insanity. How am I going to sleep tonight? So what, what, another thing I've been doing is, that, you, know, you know I have a job now, right? I have a legitimate job that I go to three days a week. Now, it's been a long time since I've had a job job. I was a freelancer for a long time. I would produce podcasts and internet video and stuff like that. In between these types of podcasts and other stuff and whatever, and I made, you know, I made my podcasting course, which I, I guess I should promote someday. But now I have the, I have, I guess, a part-time job, let's say. Now, I got to tell you something. When I was freelancing, because, you know, when you're, when you're a hired gun, you know, you come in, you do a job and you get out. And because they're paying you by the day. It's all pretty succinct. You know what I mean? You come in, you do, that's it. 
quick, 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 like a bunny, and boom, you're gone. Now, I'm, so, I'm, I'm freelance at this thing, but they treat me like I really, really work there. And maybe I'm even wrong, and maybe I really do work there. I don't even know. Maybe I should ask. Is there a way to ask that without seeming like a jerk? Hey, do I work here? Because I, I have been drinking all your coffee. Apparently, I drink a lot of coffee. Now, there was a long time when I didn't drink any coffee. And when I say long time, I mean 10 or 15 years. And I love coffee. And I just didn't drink it. And then, I don't know, within the last year, I just started drinking coffee. And I drink a lot of coffee. So I have this job and I go to this job. So I got to tell you, though, the difference is. And maybe it's just this, you know, I don't. I don't know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, because I, I love the company. I love the, the, the MO of the company, the modus operandi, 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 the people are fantastic. Everything's moving way too slowly for me. I, I don't know if podcasting broke my brain or whatever, but in podcasting, what you do, at least, you know, when I do this show, if I play my cards right, I don't prepare at all. I come in here, I talk for an hour, I export the show, and I do a little thing where I put a little music at the beginning and the end, and then I hand it off to you. So when I took, I took uh, this job, I got this job in, in January of this calendar year. And I came in, and one of the things that I was going to do is help them build and launch their website. They were going to do a WordPress website and it was based on these books they've got three books they've got two dad books and a mom book and these two dad books and this mom book they're going to be in the website and the website is going to be there and that's what they're going to do and they're going to charge people for access in this huge website and it's all about uh how to be a parent how to be a brand new parent if you think you're going to be a parent you're about to be a parent you just became a parent this is it that's it for you so I think, great, I know WordPress. I can put a website together. That's great. This thing will be done in like three months, tops. And then gosh only knows what we'll get up to. We're going to start shooting some videos. Maybe we'll do some this. We'll do some courses. We'll interview. Some, okay, we're still working on this. On this. We're, we're still. We're still. It's not. It's not. It's. Can we? It's not. I don't like you. You had two books and a, and a third book. Can we just make some, put something out live? Can we have crossed the finish line on something? I don't want to have another meeting or conference call. We have meetings and conference calls about these great things. I mean, it's fun. You know, it's fun. Now that I'm, you know, as I'm saying this to you, it's, it's helping me get into a different mindset. And really what it is now is I'm just going to start to look at it as acting. And what I do is I act like someone who's on a conference call and then we talk about product development and marketing strategies and PR and uh, sponsorships and all this stuff. And we talk about all this stuff and we all try to sound, you know, smart, like we know what we're talking about and we do research. I write, I read books and things. And it, then we, you know, what, I don't know, we, nothing happens. American business cannot possibly be moving at this tempo. And I don't know if it's an L.A. thing because when I was freelancing, I was freelancing in L.A. and I always had this suspicion that L.A. was moving at a slightly different pace than Orange County. 
And when my wife started working down in Orange County, she even said, yeah, these people expect to, like, go home at six. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Is this how normal people, is this how you have been conducting your life all this time and I didn't even realize it? That you go to work at, like, 8.30 or quarter of 9, 9 o'clock, and then you leave at 5 or 6 or whatever, and then that's it until the next day? And whatever you can get done, you get done. And then and then the weekend you have off or something? Because that is totally not how we've been living our lives like ever. If I could find a situation like that for my wife, it would be like we were retired and yet we were, we, right, we'd still be working. So I really got to adjust my mindset because... I'm getting paid. Whether the site launches or not, I still, right? I'm still making the same income. I just want, you know, right? I'm used to putting things out there, I guess. Can we please just pull the trigger? I've been thinking recently about something. So, and this is something I think I'm going to get back to. But I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and, and this topic kind of kind of came up in a way. And then another friend of mine made a comment, and then another friend of mine, and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to talk specifically about any person, including myself. Okay, there's certain things that I'm not comfortable getting into, but I will say this. I think a problem has developed in American marriages. And the crux of that problem is women now in the 21st century stay hot beyond menopause. And I think that's a problem. Because I think in the old days, by the time a woman was even close to menopause, she had let herself go. You know what I mean? She got her hair cut real short. Or she dyed it blue. And I don't mean a cool hipster blue. I mean like a bad frosty blue. And she started wearing overalls and really crappy shoes. you understand what I'm saying? And, and, I, and I wonder if that just worked better. But now you have these women. And I'm not going to name names. You know who you are. Who are 40, 45, 50, 55 years old, 60 years, 65 years old. And are still uh, sexy. And that is a problem because you know why that's a problem. Menopausal women don't need to be sexy. You hear me? And yet they are. And so what happens is the man in this union, okay, this man who would normally, by the age of 45, 50, 55, 60, be married to a housefrau who was a wonderful mother and looked like a mother. She's kind of pear-shaped and cute, right? She, they'd still hug and smooch under the mistletoe or whatever. But they, listen, everybody got on with their lives. He was golfing. She was baking things or doing recipes out of better homes and gardens or whatever. But now you've got these women that are 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, and they can still wear tight jeans and heels. And it's not working for me. 
And it's not working, I think, for a lot of my friends. And I'm going to start digging into this because I, I, I smell a book. Don't tell any of your friends that write because I, I think this is a book I need to write. I think there's a major problem that women, and I'm not suggesting they let themselves go. Don't let yourselves go just because I'm saying this. I'm not saying this. I'm, men have to adjust, right? Me too, pun intended. But we're in a transition where women are staying hot until old age and into old age until they die of old age. And, and, and I'm not sure men know what to do with that. Do you understand what I mean? Now, other cultures have ways of dealing with this. You know what I mean? The French, the Italians... Japanese, I think, have have right built into their society, built into our society because we're puritanical. There's no there's nothing built into the system. For when things get out of sync like that, especially if your wife is still hot. Again, I'm not suggesting on any level, ladies, that you stop wearing your tight jeans and heels. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying don't be surprised if the men in your life still look at you like you're 25, 30 years old because it's because you're hanging in there. You won. You succeeded. The thing you wanted to do, you have done. And you've done it longer than it was actually uh, useful to you. Or something. I hope, I hope I'm making myself understood and not creating some moment where I'm going to end up on the internet and then what this non-career that I have will be ruined. I expected to get to an age where I didn't notice anymore. When I was young, I thought, well, yeah, you get to a certain age, and I didn't know what that age was. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought it was 30. But you know what I mean? I always, I always assumed, like, wow, you know, all these guys are walking around. They don't seem to be the least bit distracted by the fact that, you know, 15 cheerleaders just ran by. Maybe you get to a certain age and you stop noticing those things. And then I met my old neighbor, Gene. Remember Gene? They used to live next door. God bless him. Gene was an ancient man who lived next door for many, many years. And if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you remember Gene. I love Gene. I miss Gene. He, he, Gene lived next door where Corey lives now, the same house. Gene, when he passed, he, he was deep in his 90s, I think. And if my wife had a friend come over and park on the street and then walk up to the house later that day, he would ask me who it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not, not like to be, not to be just nosy. He was asking me as a man, as a heterosexual man, like, wow, who was that pretty young lady that came over to your house today? And I don't think he was trying to see if I was cheating on my wife. I think he just wanted to know because he noticed at 90 something. He noticed. Ladies, that's I, I'm sorry, but we notice. And it seems like you want us to notice until we notice too hard. So that's that's the trick. You, you got to notice, but be cool about it. I feel like you want us 
to notice. You want to notice that we're noticing, but you want to notice that we're noticing subtly. Because if we're noticing too hard, that's bad. And then if we say anything, that's maybe bad. I still feel bad about a joke I made to a friend of mine. You know, I have a lot of beautiful friends. It's Southern California. I mean, trust me. Holy cow. So I have, I have a lot of beautiful friends. Um, and we were at this big gala, which we never go to. But we, were, we happened to be at a gala this one time, making fun of it, trust me. And I saw a friend of ours, and, and, by, and not a friend of mine, a friend of ours. My wife and I, she's a, this woman that we saw, that I saw, was a, is a friend of ours. But I wasn't, I didn't happen to be with Melissa when I said this thing that I said to her that I still feel bad about. And it's been like seven years. But we were saying hello, hello, and we were joking around. And I said, well, the only reason I'm here is to see you in that dress. And she kind of was like, ah. And then, and that was awkward. Because you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to say anything. And I knew that. And yet I said it because we were joking but then I said it and I was like, oh, I just reminded us that, you know what I mean? Because there's this, there's this like level of denial or something. Like women want to dress up and look hot, but they don't want, you can't acknowledge that they look hot, even though they look hot. Do you understand what I mean? You, it's, it's all very complicated. And listen, most guys... Definitely at least most guys that I know, you know, are not Neanderthals. They're trying to do the right thing. You, you give us the guidelines and we're there. So you feel free at any time to tell me when I've, uh, what, what, what the rules are, how, how to work out this male gaze thing, okay? What, what I can say, what I can't say, what I can do, what I can't do, Right? No, we're all learning that you cannot uh, 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 proposition someone beneath you in an organization or culture or community, right? <laughs> the list just won't stop growing of guys that are just like, no means no, man. Don't keep asking. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, dude, move on. No, most guys I know are more, more, more than happy to work within whatever the norm rules are at any given time. Just let's just talk about it. Let's just just let us know if we're not supposed to say or do anything. That's that's fine. If we're supposed to get, cons you know, any listen, whatever it is. All I know is, listen, I've done my job. I'm sure I could get plenty of people to complain about things that I've done. I, I'm no angel. I grew up in a different time. I was kind of an a-hole, I'm sure, many, many times. But but today, I'm an, an evolved adult in theory. I, I'm obviously not put to the test that often. But I did my part in raising a young man who wants your rules and wants to play by your rules and wants everybody else to play by your rules. So just just let us know what the rules are. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird mood today, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, I've been working on that thing called Northbound, right, and it's a web series, it's out of Upper Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, made by the Youpers, 
Well, the director and writer, co-writer, co-director, I don't know what, you know, Seth, Seth Anderson, and, and, and the big gang, the family, the, the northbound family up in Michigan, the Youpers up there, they've been doing these screenings and whatnot. So Seth sent me some video that they're going to show this weekend at some screening. And he said, hey, you know, we need to replace some of your dialogue. Could you re-record your dialogue in this part, in this part? Just it should be a little clearer or whatever. Which I have no problem doing. The problem is to do it, I need to watch myself on camera. And if I'm not the one who shot it, I can't look at it. Because it makes me very sad. And I, like, literally, and, and this is not false modesty. This is some sort of psychosis-level imposter syndrome. I literally wrote back Seth, like, I'd be happy to, you know, replace this dialogue for you. And I'll send it over. Are you sure you don't want to just reshoot this whole thing with another actor? Because, oh, my God. And I try. I tried to get fired, and I, he wouldn't do it. So now I'm stuck being on Northbound, which is fine because it's awesome, and everyone else is awesome. But it's just one of those things. You know, the first time you heard yourself like a recording of your voice and you freaked out. It's like that for me every time, and I don't know why. Except that I'm uh, old and bald and a bad actor. Except for that. I don't know why. But what I want to, what I really want to do is um, get a weighted blanket. Do you have a weighted blanket? See, that's, that's the latest thing. You're supposed to get a heavy blanket. Now, not a normal blanket that just happens to be heavy. I don't know what they put in these weighted blankets. But they, they you buy like a 25-pound blanket. So try to think of, like, how heavy 25 pounds is. But I guess the idea is if you get a blanket that's 25 pounds and you put it on yourself, well, I don't – would you be pinned? I mean, I have no idea. But in theory, it's supposed to help relieve anxiety and help you sleep. It's supposed to help produce uh, serotonin or melatonin or isotonin, some sort of tonin. And I would love to try one, but I don't want to spend $100 on a weighted blanket, which I think is a blanket full of glass beads or something. I don't know. Like, how do you make a blanket 25 pounds? I have no clue. And how do you move around a 25-pound blanket? But I think what I might do is buy one for somebody for Christmas, like one of the kids. And then I can try it out and see if I, well, if I can get out from under it, but see if it actually releases my serotonin or if it make I mean, how can how can having 25 pounds on your chest reduce anxiety that sounds so illogical that sounds like that would be the most anxiety inducing thing you'd ever spent 100 bucks on but i'm having some anxiety because of this so Okay. And again, this it, this is not false modesty. Okay. So let's I just want to be clear about that. 
before I broach this topic with you again. You know that every once in a while, and it used to be all the time, but now it's every once in a while, I take a martial arts class in karate, right? And I say every once in a while because, you know, we moved essentially to Orange County. So I'm, I live 45 miles from the, the dojo where I need to go to do my karate thing. So needless to say, I haven't been going to class and I'm super fat now. You know how I used to say I was fat? Well, now I'm super, now I, and, and again, this is just personal, whatever. I'm not fat shaming anyone but myself. But I'm definitely heavier than I've ever been in my entire life, including sympathy pregnancy weight, eating all the kids' food weight, any of that weight. This is definitely, like, I won't tell you the weight because you'll compare it to someone else, and that's, right? I'm tiny. I'm tiny, so trust me, it's not cool. It's especially not cool if you then go to and try to be a karate man because a karate man with my build and a big gut, it's just wrong. It's wrong, and they laugh at me, and I don't blame them. But the trouble comes when, okay, so I started going there when the kids started going there when they were little. I think Tulu was still only maybe four years old. She's now almost 16. So we went for like two or three years, and then we left for maybe five years or something. And then we went back three years, I don't know, ago. I don't remember, okay? doesn't matter. Well, let me think about this. So when Hudson was a senior in high school, he's now a sophomore in college, right? He's halfway through sophomore year, I know. I know. <laughs> Little baby Hudson, my daddy, may now make an announcement. is halfway through a sophomore year of college. I don't want to talk about it. When he was a senior in high school, he and I were supposed to go to Japan. Our grandmaster fairly insisted, right, that we go to Japan and uh, test for our black belts. Now, I do not mean to insinuate that either of us are that good. It was, it's just time. You understand what I mean? So I don't want you to get the idea that I think I'm macho guy who, right, you're going to jump me and I'm going to hurt you. It's not, that's not it. It's that it's just time to do that. And so we were supposed to go to Japan. And then what happens is you go to Japan and it takes forever to get there. And um, then you arrive and then you go to a temple. And not just by yourself. This isn't like the the show Kung Fu or something where you burn your wrists on a cauldron. But no, but you, you, you fly with everyone to Japan and they go to this temple outside of Kyoto somewhere and they train day and night for five days. They get up at the crack of dawn and before they even eat anything, they sweep up the grounds of the temple. Then they go sit through some sort of semi-religious ceremony in Seiza's position. You know Seiza's position? It's, 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 it's on your knees. 
on a hardwood floor. Now, we do that at the dojo, but there's mats on the floor. This in, so, so you're in Kyoto. You're jet lagged. You're starving. You've just been sweeping. And now you got to go and sit on a right with your knees on a wood floor. While people say things that you don't understand and you still haven't even eaten breakfast. Yeah, I do. I have anxiety about when I'm going to eat. Absolutely. I'm hypoglycemic. I need to eat every couple of hours. If I don't eat every couple of hours, things go bad. And then you train and train and train and train and have lunch and train and train. Oh, there's, there's breakfast in there too. And you train and train and train and it's very formal and you train and then you have dinner and you train and train and you take a shower and you go to bed. And you do that for, let's say, four days. And then on the fifth day is testing, right? Okay, that's fine. And so obviously if you test for your black belt, that, that you would imagine should be a difficult test. Compounded by the fact that you're not in the United States, you're in Japan, where the rules are a little different. So I think it can get a little looser, goosey, loosey, goosier than in the United States with the punching and the kicking. So one thing we have to do is punch very fast for an hour. Now, I think that's at the end. It might be at the beginning, but I think it's at the very end. But I'm pretty sure you have to, at some point, punch very quickly, kind of like a backhand for an hour. I'm not joking. And I think, I think you have to spar... Uh, and score a point with all the black belts, depending on how many are there. It could be two. It could be, oh God, who knows, eight? I have no idea. Well, needless to say, Hudson and I were very worried about going. My wife was very insistent that we couldn't afford to go. And honestly, the timing of this trip every year, it coincides sort of with one of the kids' spring breaks, but only half of the spring break. And so, like, what do you do? Because I'm daddy driver daddy, right? Who's going to pick up the kids and take up the kids kids, when we're spending two grand ahead to go to Japan and, and get hurt? So then the plan was that, you know, Hudson stopped going. I kept going. And I was supposed to go then last year. But I didn't go last year because we couldn't, right? We didn't feel like we could afford it. And again, you know, the schedule was not exactly ideal. And I think we were already living in Orange County by then. So I didn't go again. So this year, it's the trip is coming again. It's coming in March. I can't go because we have to go to Poughkeepsie for a wedding, which is fine. But that's going to... Right, deplete any sort of travel budget completely. In May, we got to go to this wedding. And we're excited to go. It's our niece. Our niece is getting married. We're so happy for her. She, she, right? It's thrilling. It's our first wedding of that generation of kids, right? So then the grandmaster says, Dan, I give you black belt examination in May. So I say us, because that's what you say. You just say us. You don't say, 
Yes, no, that's great, whatever, thank you. Us, 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 I say us. And I'm thinking, you know what? He's going to schedule that examination for the same weekend that we're supposed to be in Poughkeepsie. And I think it's the same weekend as a podcasting conference that I really, really want to go to. And I was going to go and speak and hang out with podcasting people. Hanging out with podcasting people is actually the closest I ever get to hanging out with people that I actually believe I belong with. I still don't really feel like I belong. I always feel like an outsider. And it's a cycle, right? Do you do this where you're like, oh, I don't feel like I fit in this place where I am. So I'm not going to go here as much. So you don't go there as much. And then you go back and then you're like, well, I totally don't fit in now. And so you don't go back, and then when you go back, you're like, oh, I feel like such an outsider. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you do it to yourself. You let one little kind of neurotic pang screw up the whole thing, and then you're just in a cycle, cycle, round and round and round. Now, my point about the, the black belt thing is this. Again, I don't – I'm not in good shape right now. It's, Jan, it's uh, almost January. Right. It's just it's the middle of December, I think. I don't even know what day it is. Oh, it's the 5th. I said it's the 5th. It's the 5th of December. So at some point in May. So I have from now until May. To get in good enough shape to survive some sort of black belt test. But the thing is that when they go to Japan. It's over four days in a way, five days in a way. And then there's the test at the end. I've never seen an adult test in the United States. I don't know what I'm going to have to do. But I think there's going to be blood. Blood, blood. Last year, I almost started a GoFundMe. Or a, what do you call it? Kickstarter or whatever. I think it's GoFundMe. I was going to start a GoFundMe for people to donate so I could go to Japan. And, and the incentive was going to be, hey, if you want to help... Uh, you know, uh, 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 what's the word, Dan? You can do it. Finance? If you want to help finance Dan going to Japan and being punched in the face, this is your chance. If you've ever thought to yourself, you know what would be awesome if Dan got punched in the face? This, this is your time to make that happen. And I'm tempted to do that again. I don't know. I don't think... I think I probably elicit more apathy than uh, desire to see me punch. But, but you know, I could be wrong about that. I, I Maybe I could raise money by getting people excited about me getting punched in the face. I don't know. I really, I got to tell you something I don't know. But never in my life have I wanted people to pay money so I would get punched in the face. But it suddenly sounds like a good idea. So listen, that's the that's the bitterest pill. Look, I apologize. My my life right now is impacting the quality of the show. And what I mean by that is um nothing is happening in that nice juicy middle area that I can milk for an hour. You know what I mean? Like either things are going perfectly fine, I just I go to work and I go home and uh, pick up my daughter or whatever. Whatever. 
and she's not exactly a terrible teenager. She's an ideal teenager. So there's just not you know, there's, like I got nothing. Or I fall into some self-created pit of internal despair, and you don't want to hear about that. You know what I mean? Just imagine, like, yeah, like emotionally just digging a grave and lying in there in the fetal position. That's pretty much what it is. So I'm not really, like, getting half in trouble at the grocery store or having to, right? You know what I mean? But so I do thank you for listening. Uh, but when you don't hear from me, that's why. But I'm going to have to solve this somehow. I don't know if I have to go back to telling old stories like I used to. You know what I mean? Like I used to go, hey, I remember when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? I do. I really do appreciate you uh, listening and uh, all of that. So thank you. Thank you for listening. And of course, this show is made possible thanks to our generous Generous, generous patrons that generously patronize me on Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Patreon.com slash class. You know, patrons like Rob Rice. Dr. Robert Rice. Alex Mirabelli. Brom Lasagna. Chris Class. Dan Kirkendall. Dave the Man Jackson. David uh, Chase and George Cortinez Flores. Harold Goldner. Jay Savastino. Jeff Short, Jim Cariotis, uh, let's see, Megan, Mike Scott Hamilton, Peter Chase, Scott Mercer, Sean Othan, Sean Stewart, and Tom Carroll. Thank you, you guys, you ladies and uh, germs, and uh, everyone else. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you hear from here. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well said. Uh, hopefully you'll hear from me again soon. Again, uh, if you want to check out this football thing, it is uh, on Believe Network, B-L-E-A-V. And, uh, or you can just check it out at somethings, no G, Bruin.com. Okay? All right. Stan Class, this is me. In my garage, I'm going to go back out in the rain and yell at the planes. Okay, goodbye. Thank you. This show is currently hosted on Simplecast. Simplecast. It's simple. So, cast. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 